This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Ruslan, today we have the returns of... He is an actor, a writer, and a filmmaker, and he's plenty of other things. He is Na'amurad. Hi, good to be back, Cam. Thanks. Uh, good to have you. And he uh, was once upon a time with BFM, but he is now the digital editor of Tatla Malaysia, Sim Boon. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to see you again, Sim. How, how's life treating you as a digital editor in the uh, luxury market? Pretty good, pretty good. Did busy, keeping me busy. Christmas season always busy for us, but uh, can't wait for the holidays. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Christmas, you should have put that issue of the magazine out about a, a month and a half ago. Oh, the, the so, issue's out, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I do online, so it's every oh, day. okay. <laughs> Fair enough, just check. So our three topics this week are, topic number one is pirates, myth, and a bit of the reality. Topic number two is the rise of independent news sources. And finally, um, part three is, well, the end of the world. That's, as we come to the end of the year, let's finish with the end of the world. And so, the end of the show. So, uh, yeah. yeah so it all wraps up. It all rhymes. Is this the last show of the year? Um, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's oh, that, a, that'll be an anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah almost the last show of the year. Yeah, but let's pretend it is. And anyway, so let's begin with pirates, uh, pirates and their enduring appeal. Now, uh, call me old fashioned, but I think piracy is bad and it frightens me. <laughs> and so whenever I watched, uh, that interminable, awful pirates of the Caribbean, uh, movie series, there were what, 50 parts. How many were there? I can't remember. It was, and they were just like five or six. I like the first one very much. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. But I, I see it. I just couldn't go for it because it's like, what well, is about pirates? Um, pirates are bad. scary. Oh <laughs> no! Well, I mean, just now, right now, as we speak, off the coast of Yemen, um, there are cases of piracy. And if we go back, say, twenty or so years, there were always these stories coming out about um, uh, from the coast of coast of Sumatra, people in speedboats dashing uh -huh. out and 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 stealing super tankers. Even even on the streets of Malacca, yeah, they, yeah. they had a had a particular name. I can't, I can't remember. And and don't forget DVD pirates. Ooh, back, back in what? the day, well, back yeah. in the day. Actually, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, we use the word pirates uh, and piracy for for video. I'm not sure. That, I'm sure there would be a more accurate word than piracy. But, Latest um, movies, me hardy. <laughs> if it doesn't work, return it. And I will change it for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, the, the, I mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, that's obviously in the Caribbean. That was in the, I'm going to say the golden age of uh, European uh, inspired and I, sponsored piracy. Um, they were, in fact, in many cases, privateers, which is officially sanctioned piracy, where the government of the day would allow its citizens to go after the, the, the nation's enemies. And then here in this part of the world, and, and Sim is from Sarawak, and... Um, yes. And uh, in, the, in the case of, say, uh, James Brooke, when he arrived in Sarawak, he, his kind of um, USP was to crack down on what he said was piracy. But of course, one person's pirate is another person's entrepreneur. <laughs> and, and, also, and also, um, I mean, I haven't really been able to nail this one down properly, but in pre- European pre-colonial times in this part of the world, there did not appear to be that much piracy. There was a lot of trade. It was easier to trade 
um, and it was fairly peaceful, I think, than to go and steal, well, which I'm sure it happened, but it didn't happen that much. It was when the Europeans, especially the Dutch, came along and just wiped out the local trade that people then had to turn to piracy in order to um, steal the goods that were on the sea. So uh, I'm just wondering. Well, I mean, depending on who you ask, they might be viewing the foreign invaders as the ones that have stolen from them and absolutely taking back what other pirates. Yeah, absolutely. And you said something. You said something about privateers and in early the early kingdoms of of you know like Indonesia and Malaysia, the whole Nusantara area. It was piracy was like um like corporate espionage. It was it was like you 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 paid pi- privateers to like. Tone down your your competition. Basically, it was it was um you know um an economic thing. Like same same deals in silver, so the scam. I I deal in something else. Neither one of you will will bother me, but you will bother each other. You get privateers to harass each other. That happened, I think, pre-colonial. And, and I think was, also yeah. the view of piracy might be different, right? Because the Western kind of like viewpoint of like piracy from the golden age and all are based on that historical precedence of privateers that were sanctioned by the government to go rob the the, the Spain, Spanish government sent them to rob the British gov, uh, royalties, ships and everything. I think over here it was maybe not as formal, you know? Yeah. I mean, they might just be yeah. robbers or just thieves rather than um, having a piece of paper. And yeah, like, because well, the, the, the nation state had not really come into being out here. You no. had small enclaves. Um, and but, trade was was very wasn't wasn't as um you know trade was was kind of up up in the air everybody just traded with whoever so so there wasn't any laws or anything about it yeah so, yeah if you maybe, could steal maybe. from me we're ahead. not a historian i'm not a historian so yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah. like, like it, was, yeah. it was so it was so it was quite prevalent i suppose in certain parts of the of the of the region because you know the word lanun actually came from a filipino group called the ilanun so they must have been something else. I mean, I, I like I like like you said, Sam. I'm not a historian, but I know that um, where the word came from. So it must have been. They must have been something. They must have been. Maybe there were certain groups who were just pretty happy to just steal from everybody else. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sim is Sim is busily uh, googling now as, as we speak. <laughs> we're just cheating yeah. on a bit of culture. We don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's like Lanon with a, with an I at the beginning. Just Ilanon. Yeah. 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 So uh, I want to ask then, um, I said at the beginning that uh, I think pir- piracy frightens me and I don't, I don't really see it as being a very romantic thing. And yet, um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, which was, I think it was a, a Disney ride, wasn't it? And then yes. it, be- which it inspired the 50 episode movie <laughs> where in it, uh, Johnny Depp does his impersonation of Keith Richards. Um, and so in a way it's piracy is more, uh, a, a byword for rebellion and kind of freedom from the nation state. But right. anti, anti-establishmentarianism too, you know, the, the, the colonials were always seen as bad guys, those movies, you know, yeah. the, the, the stuffy sailors and soldiers and, uh, governors and, you know, lords and ladies were always the victims, were always yeah. the villains. The people yeah, but, that I but, They've always, uh, I mean, Western or well, not even Western, just just movies and stories generally have a way of always retelling these uh, historically villainized characters uh, as 
rebels or, you know, something to not to say maybe aspire to, but, you know, I mean, from the entertainment value comes a sort of admiration, you know, and it's yeah. always usually because it's skewed towards uh, children and teens, it's sanitized, right? And when you sanitize these sort of characters from their historical accuracy, more often than not, it becomes an anti-hero uh, character, right? So it, the same goes with like uh, cowboys, you know. Yeah. Robin Hood, know, for example. Robin Hood, the whole Robin right? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, cowboys like, you know, like the sh- shooting with the, the sheriff who is a law enforcement, things like that. So when, when you sanitize it now as entertainment value, more often than not, it becomes an anti-hero, someone that you admire. So you watch yeah. The Godfather, they're pretty nice clothes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really <laughs> nice suit. Yeah. It's yeah, a nice I mean, family. They love each other. They're loyal to each other. Well, yeah. Perhaps I'd just pursue that just for just for a moment because I I have found myself watching an awful lot of um, uh, uh, mafia gangster movie type things. Like, oh, I love that. Re- rewatching The Godfather and Scorsese stuff. And I kind the of wonder... Yeah, yeah, and sort of wondering what's what's the appeal there? Are we watching it because it's horrifying? Because I find... no, I think I think we watch it because in reality we know that we'll never be like that or we'll never be involved like that. So I mean, it's fulfilling the point of a TV show or a movie, right? Where it it gives you the ability to fantasize or immerse you in a reality that otherwise you would never be involved in. So when yeah, you watch really? like Godfather, you're like. Oh man, it'd be cool if that was like in 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 Goodfellas. The first line is um, Ray Liotta's character says, "For as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster." And I think I think I think there is a something glamorous about about being somebody who's bad but funny and good and cool at the same time. But um, having said that, Goodfellas shows that everybody ends up yeah. in a terrible place. They <laughs> all end up in a terrible place because it's, yeah. it's paranoia, there's distrust, yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but the three of us, we're not going to do any of that, are we? No. No? I don't know what you do. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. What... <laughs> I go as far as buying, you know, pirate DVDs. That's insane. Yeah. Back in the day when they actually existed. Not anymore. Not me. I never I never sanctioned that VCD thing. Not me. Just read a good <laughs> book. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. That, that's, that's, that's pirates. Uh, we're going to move on. And now, nah, the rise of independent news sources. Yeah, news sources, especially di- digital news, as they call it, because it's mostly on YouTube. I'm talking about those guys. In particular, I don't know where else to find them. But, you know, the, the way things are in the world, there's no need to talk about the, the politics of the world right now, but people are distrusting the news now, especially the, the, the main news sources, all your CNNs and, and all that, because, well, basically they are now telling, you know, um, telling untruths or at least half-truths for um, power rather than, you know, to power. So... Um, yeah, yeah, people are distrusting uh, um, mainstream media more and more. And so like um, in the past year or so or less, I've noticed that there's so many independent um, news sources, on, especially on YouTube. And some of them is just one guy, one guy sitting on the studio. It could be the guy who actually reviews movies or talks about, you know, flower arrangement or whatever. There, there's absolutely no team. It's just one guy in front of the camera. But but what they do sometimes really interesting is one guy I, I can't recall the name but you know if you if you Google you'll find all kinds of different types of independent news people who just basically sits there takes different interviews from the mainstream media and then he dissects them about you know 
where is it that that so and so said this and 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 then he fact fact checks everything like this yeah. is obviously a lie look at the look on say christian amanpour's face here she obviously didn't know that was coming and she was you know like they, they do an analysis which is very interesting i find because sometimes when you when you when you when you um ingest these things at a quick rate you 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 just want quick information, but there are little details which we miss. And some of these shows do it very well. I mean, one example which I like is something called TYT. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, yeah. Have heard it, the Young Turks. I've, I've only been... Um, they've been around a long time, actually. Yeah, I've watched them for about two or three years, but I think they've been around for almost 10 years. And I like the fact that um, you, get the, you, you get the good cop, bad cop. <laughs> Would it be good journalist, bad journalist? One of them, it's uh, Anna Kasparian and... Cenk Uger, you I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but they, they would, um, one would be the analytical one who would have all the facts and go, this is happening, that's happening, it's a hundred, this, that's being whatever numbers and everything, and the other one gets emotional. The other one be like, oh, I don't know. So you get, you get the, the, the sober news and the, the so political, the and commentary a, at the same and time. And that's appealing to you. It's kind of nice because it, it, it sometimes, I'm not allowed to say too emotional, but sometimes you feel like it's good because that's what we are all, the world is so screwed up now that we are all feeling very emotional about things. It's nice to hear somebody intelligent who, who also is analyzing things actually say things like, I think they're crazy. I think, you know, get, get, okay. you, you can kind of connect with that. And, and you yeah. can't get that from, you can't get that from mainstream media. No, because sure. They, that's, they not the way, it, that's not the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. It's not the yeah. way it's done. Okay, let, let, let me ask um, our digital editor, uh, Sid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, Do you I mean, like any of you these? operate in a different uh, uh, genre? Well, no, I mean, but I mean, you're looking at how to um, present things. Yeah, digital news, right? Is it is it changing the world? I mean, it's it's a it's it's a big big pie to dissect. Uh, but you know, not just in YouTube. There's a lot of the such uh, organized organization of its personalities on TikTok, social media as well, right? Because now all you need to do is just have an internet connection, get a smartphone, film yourself, and you can present yourself as a newscaster, as a news provider, right? Uh, and because they're so, it's so easily being done now, um, how you differentiate yourself or you draw the attention is uh, how you deliver it or the type of news that you pick or how you choose to interpret the news, right? News organizations, really big ones, or even down to BFM, right? Independent ones, but still fairly uh, influential. You, you have to operate because you, you, you occupy such a space that brings real influence uh, and because, you know, there's responsible management, there's laws and everything. They can't just really, really choose how to present the news, present their products, present, you know, whatsoever, uh, everything, right? Whereas like these individuals that operate on YouTube, that operate uh, on social media, right? They, they're either not educated or know about the laws or regulations in place. Or for them, they don't view themselves as a news organization, even though they might have said that or people interpreted it. But they just, they will use the freedom of expression right to what they do. And when but, they do that, they choose is that, you know, can be insinuated as entertaining entertaining, uh, interesting, mm. attention grab it, or, you know, to other people, uh, misinformation or clickbaiting or, you know, uh, just downright wrong, you know, and like Nasir, right, the world is so screwed up now and everyone's so passionate about things. And that's the problem that I 
you know, having operated in like from print media to broadcasting to now where I am, right? What I see now is that because there's so much information out there uh, and there's such a high level of distrust, more often than not, people are resonating with whatever news that they want to get. Whatever yeah, news that really they, they don't they don't care how they get it as long as yeah. like you know, interestingly, um, even the mainstream stuff like Fox, Fox News, for example, we consider them mainstream media. But the truth is, when they registered with the FCC, they registered as entertainment. Exactly. So, yeah. so, yeah. so they get away with a lot of crap. They get away with just saying things. And if they get called upon it, if they, if they get sued, they just say, well, we are actually an entertainment channel and these are all opinions. And it's actually interesting that, that um, when you're saying like BFM, for example, like when BFM does its news, the main thing is just to deliver the news, what's out there. And a lot of people say that that's the difference back in the day. It didn't matter the day when it was at newspapers and television. Like um, it doesn't matter whether your newspaper was slightly to the left or to the right or whatever it was. The news was always delivered first. Just the fact. Yeah. And exactly. then you'd have opinions. You'd have little opinion pieces. But so everybody read roughly the same news and people made their own minds up. Now you can actually avoid that. Even newspapers sometimes will just avoid news that they don't want. I mean, uh, even um, uh, bono fide um, news agencies would, would choose what they want to put out there. So So... So you only, you can choose just what you want to hear. And people can be in a, a silo, can be in a, in a bubble, literally. Um, which, yeah. which, is, which is an issue now because, you know, um, it, it's, I feel like way back then, the onus has always been on the organizations to be fair and uh, accurate or truthful or, you know, um, just, just black and white with whatever they deliver, right? But yeah. now um, I feel that, the onus is actually on the individual that reads the news to be uh, wary enough to not just read from one source or two sources, but every single source. Because the the way news and information are being packaged now, more often than not, always slants towards a certain side, a certain character, a certain I opinion. Know. And again, back to what I said, right? Those, because there's so many, you just choose to read what you want to read or whatever headlines resonate with you. It has that that echo chamber effect, right? This is so, this was so prominent during like COVID, right? Yeah, when right. those that refuse certain truths about it just only consumed anything that reinforced their belief and they chose to disregard everything else as yeah. either, no, you know, fake but, or, you know, tactics but, but, control. But, but what you're saying there, Sam, actually, it, it does draw in um, age demographic differences with the audience and um, presentation stars because, nah, you and me, we certainly grew up in the, the, the newsreader sits Print there. and TV, yeah. yeah but, but also in terms of presentation, the newsreader sits there and delivers the news, as it were. Yeah. And, and we kind of just believe it. And if, if now they mimic that, that sense of that that style of delivery, then people our age are just going to fall for it. Like like, we don't even bother to look at the who is this person? Yes. What knowledge yeah. do they have about yeah. anything? If they're wearing a, a a tie and and sound kind of like a newsreader, it's like oh, it's the truth. They even have a thing called the BBC voice. That if you speak in a certain way, you sound like you can be trusted. And yeah, and whatever's yeah, coming yeah, you up sound your like mouth. Cat. <laughs> but I'm, I'm wondering Sam is more Monty Python I see yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm wondering Sam if, if younger people though I wonder if younger people because uh, styles of delivery change and so they might find the thing that persuades us as being rather boring 
or or as being um, see through lie. I wonder if young younger people... people, the younger generation, have grown up to be a bit more skeptical of everything. To be in general, okay. I think when the legacy they, media presents what they present, they to they, a they, super, extent, they super check everything. My friends, yes, the younger yeah. generation who are right now exposing the lies from the war, let's call it that, because they are so fast about going um, into the net and they have the, the wherewithal to like fact check everything themselves. Where, you know, where was we? But that being, said, that being said, younger people are, as with older people, but I do see younger people, are also still very prone to emotion and, um, you know, influence, being very quickly influenced, right? So, you know, um, yes, they do fact check, but more often than not, also the also I mean, it's a, get swept away by headline. It's a yeah. small, it's a small percentage, but the ones who are doing it are very useful to everybody. I would think exactly. They keep they keep us all honest. They keep us all informed. Yeah, yeah. I do think okay. younger people are more well equipped and armed to educate themselves on anything or any misinformation. I mean, like the you know what's going on now in uh, the Middle East with uh, Israel and uh, Palestine and everything, right? What I see on like TikTok and everything, right, is younger people that are doing the fact checking. You know, every time a legacy mm-hmm. media or someone uh, older comes out and says a nonsensical headline or takes it in nonsensical stance on an issue, right? You know, more often you see the younger people that are like, no, this is not true. You know, if you educate yourself on this, the, it, you know, on all that, and they do videos, they restitch the videos mm. and kind of yeah. explain issues. So yeah, they they use their technical wizardry to actually. Exactly, if, uh, they, if there's a photograph which is dodgy, they will find the actual photograph exactly, within yeah. within minutes. Something which I think our generation may struggle with. Uh, yeah, because you the, know, the, the, the older yeah. generation don't do that because you grew up in an environment where the oldest exactly. has always been upon the news organizations. To trusting, do that. yeah, trusting exactly, the right, yeah. news organization yeah, and, to yeah. yeah, maybe not the one, but maybe like another news organization will fact check another news organization in that sense, right? Yeah. Uh, but now it has somewhat changed, right? So okay. I guess that's the issue that we're grappling with. All right. So very quickly, in one word, um, are we doomed or not? We're doomed. Okay. We, so. we are. We are. Yeah. Especially <laughs> right, doomed, now right. that we're moving on to the next <laughs> one, which only proves that we are doomed. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're doomed. <laughs> Yes, and as Noah points out, uh, we took a short break. When we come back, though, we're going to be uh, talking about the end of the world here on A Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself and Simwe Boon and Noah Murad. And now, Sim, the end of the world. Prepare yourself. Ha, ha, yeah, ha, ha. so, I don't know, spoilers alert, because uh, there might, some things I say might be considered spoiler, uh, because, you know, this topic came up. Uh, based off a movie that I watched recently and it's been quite popular. It's called Leave the World Behind. Uh, I know that both of you haven't watched it yet, but if you're okay, you know, I might say things that might spoil it for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with it. I've okay. been too scared to watch it. All right. Yeah, so yeah. I actually quite like the idea of you giving me spoilers. It kind of takes the sting yeah. out. So carry but on. It is, it is a movie that is like, you know, I, I can see why people are very scared or would walk away being actually um, not traumatized, but like, you know, like, like, oh my God, from watching it because it is based on something that can very well happen tomorrow. So, okay, uh, just to fill you in. So, Leave the World Behind is a movie. Uh, it takes place in America. Um, a couple decides to go on a vacation with their family uh, and the whole world ends 
or goes up in flames while they're on vacation. But it's the way the world went up in flames that is scary because it wasn't like alien invasion or something, you know. It was... Um, you, 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 because you, you, when you watch the movie, you take the perspective of the family. You, you're immersed into the family. And, you're, and the movie is written or shot in a way that, you know, you really don't know what's going on until towards the end, you know, where, you know, suddenly all the phones die. There's no internet connection, information, uh, people go missing. Uh, you know, you pick these things up and you're like, what, what's going on? What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Like, is, is something, is the world ending? Or, or is this just a, a weird... Uh, occurrence or supernatural it was the end you pick up clues and you start to discover as the characters in the movie discover that like oh we're under attack but by who we don't know and the end reveal is like is beautiful uh, it's just it, America under attack or the whole world um, we don't know we don't know That's okay. the thing, like, but it's portrayed like it's America but there was there's no actual uh, conclusion to that yeah but what is beautiful is there's this one character in the movie, which is the daughter, the youngest daughter of the family, where at the start of the movie, going on vacation, she was watching the series Friends. Uh, she was finishing the finale, and as they head into their vacation home, they lose internet connection, and she can't stream the last episode. So the whole time the movie's going on where it slowly descends into chaos, all she's obsessed about it's like the final freshman. She bugs the dad. Uh, like, you know, like, can you fix the TV? I need to know the finale. Da, 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 da. You know, and then towards the end uh, of the movie, she finds a safe space, you know, where she could save her family. But that where the place that she discovers has the final episode of Friends. And all she does is just sit down there and watch Friends. And it will be end. Oh, wow. It's, it's a great symbolism, I think, of, you know, like kind of like the way uh, things are now, you know, like the world can be going up in flames around us, but a lot of us are distracted by entertainment, are distracted by whatever that's happening in front of our screens that right. we either choose to ignore or don't are oblivious to it, right? Uh, so why, again, why this movie is very ominous again is because a lot of the things that are happening is very, it's, it's not science fiction, it's not like some laser ray beam thing happened out of the way. It's like, it really can't happen. Uh, and also because the Obamas produced the movie. So a lot oh, of red flags yeah. raised by yeah. people there. So, you know, um, and it got me thinking like, you know, like, yeah. So if, if the end of the world were to happen today or tomorrow or even now, for all we know, would we be like that girl in that movie where we are so distracted by everything that we don't see the bigger picture and we just become another statistic in the lives we lost in a new huh. world order, right? Yeah, I think if the world was ending, I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different issue. But I, I think w what they could be saying is that in many ways, the world is in trouble. It's in trouble climate change-wise. It's in trouble with the rise of fascism, all kinds of things. And, and a majority of people are still thinking that it's going to be okay. Oh, it's not a big deal. I would rather watch the next MCU movie or whatever. And yeah. and, and somebody's going to fix it. Um, I, I just want to, you know, I just want to live my life. I just want, yeah, you I'm, know. I'm, it's, I, I, know I, 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 would, uh, I would put a slightly different angle on it in that most of us were so used to watching these things on screens that we feel that any of, 
we can hide behind it. So when reality does happen, we can imagine we're just observing it and we're not really in it. Um, and you'll never uh, get to us, right? It'll be fixed before it reaches us. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, especially yeah. in like a country like Malaysia, right, where there has always this bit narrative that like, oh, it should be blessed that we don't have natural disasters or yeah. so far removed from all the big wars that are happening that, you know, it's a safe country, you know, like, you know how when things, when like a crazy politician says something uh, nonsense on, you know, in public or something like that. And majority people will be like, at least we're not like that place where people are dying. You, you get what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there, there is the, the the natural disaster thing, which we we feel that we're not a part of. But at the same time, the kind of the, that huge picture end of the world thing that you're talking about in that movie, those kind of films were only made in America because Americans would still kind of feel, yes, but surely we're big enough and great enough that we could some, we could fix it. Whereas you, if you tried to transpose that to Malaysia, the the undercurrent, the undertake would have to be, yeah, well, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, so so that's the <laughs> thing, right? The premise of the movie is like America under attack, right? Mm. But what if it was under attack from the inside? Because how the way everything fell apart, yeah, it could be very well be viewed as external forces. But it could be very well be internal force as well. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, Blackout, yeah. you know, losing yeah. the internet. It's not something that a foreign invader or an alien need to do. Someone within Malaysia who has the capabilities or an organization within Malaysia that has the capabilities and yeah, the ambition can very well pull that off too. Absolutely. Yeah. But it wouldn't be universal. So it's just across the causeway in Singapore, they'd be like, yeah, well, nothing's happened here. Everything's fine. And, you know, it would just yeah. be a little old Malaysia and, and you know. But uh, nah, we're we're old enough. Did you, did you remember the TV show? I think it was a BBC one called Survivors from like Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But about an airplane, airplanes crash. No, survivors, no. Right? So it's not that one. No, no, it's a different one. Oh, that... But it's 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 set. Well, I, in, I know the Survivors. Yeah, yeah which It's one set in really boring uh, suburbia, and then the end of the world happens. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> one. Yes. Okay. Sure. Okay. And and well, so groups of people kind of like get together, and uh, I get a, a bit like. Um, the 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 what's it called the the zombie Threads. one no, no remember the, the, the zombie one uh, Walking Dead Walking Dead bit like that ah okay right um, right but it's uh, but there was one scene in it when the 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 kind of the gentility is is beginning to sort of wear, be broken because there's more chaos happening and then the lights go out and then somebody says it's begun. And I saw that when I was young, and I I was so terrified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't imagine it. I kind of enjoy those, I wouldn't say end-of-the-world stories, but post-apocalypse kind of things. It's kind of interesting. I do, too. How, I do yeah, One of my favorite is Book of Eli. Yeah, how, how people will survive. And, and yeah, the I, idea of, of what happens to society kind of fascinates. There have been so many. There's been, you know, something called Zed for Ze- Zechariah, and even even um, Sweet yeah. Tooth is about... You know, and and, oh, and yeah. they take it they take it from all kinds of different directions, and some of it is really interesting. But I always end up getting a bit depressed because I realize that, well, you know, I'm enjoying seeing these people survive and all the all the ways they go through it and all the different permutations of what society become. But I realize then I'd be one of the ones who'd be dead pretty quick. Same, well, yeah, I would be like, if <laughs> I would that, I'd be gone, gone within five days. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. But the story that Sim began with, um, leaves the leave the world behind. Yeah. Um, that is uh, the apocalypse. 
Yeah, the, the end. The end. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And that's it, yeah. more frightening than the post-apocalypse because, as you said, as we all, I think, agree, we would see ourselves as going during the, the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, you know, when in the opening scene, when Godzilla's foot hits the ground and crushes a car, well, that's us in that car. Yeah, we're like, uh, we, we would be gone before we even know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Most likely, yeah. And so that that's us, you know, um, watching the actual apocalypse is is more scary. Yeah, which is what Leave the World Behind kind of shows. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's not yeah. like someone is shooting at you as it happens. It, it, you're slowly being enveloped into it. And when you know it's happening, it's not like you're gone this instant. You probably more than likely will see it happen. Like there's a civil war happening in America, in Malaysia. You know, you would probably be already in it for a... A, a, a length of time then realize that like yeah it's really bad right now I guess it's really happening you know and, and maybe then, then and you will wake up and be like oh what whatever what have you all been doing and then there are those which are even more depressing because the entire story is not about what's going on is it the end of the world what is the end of the world it's like the world is going to end and nothing can stop it and the story is more about people just falling into depression and you know things like melancholia last one three years and 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 some are comedic, like um, end of the world and stuff like that, because then you have angels and devils and it's all yeah. you know, kind of comedic. But those, those are, to me, a bit more depressing because it's like, it doesn't say that, yeah, somehow we will survive or we may survive for a while. It just says, look, this is what happens if it definitely is going to end. The story does not say, um, you know, Superman is going to save the world or a bunch of astronauts um, are going to blow up that comet or whatever. It's like, there's, there's, there's no, it, it's just about, all the characters in this story are going to die. The end of the world will happen before the end. And you're just going to see how people deal with that. With the yeah. fact that the world is ending. Those, those really, not only scare me, but make me so depressed. Well, uh, yeah. But some of them are good. Some of them are really good. Yeah. Ow, ow, sorry, well, my cat that, is needing. Oh, oh well, it's the end of Nah. It's not the end of the, <laughs> of the world. Nah is being eaten alive by his cat. Um, <laughs> Well, on that happy note, thank you so, so much, Sim, for that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> really appreciate it. I no just wonder how awful our day has been. Now you, you've made us thankful. <laughs> just yeah, be thankful, guys. Yeah, but I just want to say, I too have never watched the final episode of Friends. So oh. I, I am saving it up for the end of the world. Uh, and so I guess I one day I will watch it probably quite soon. So, um, okay, well, so, so, do, so just cap, if you never watch it, the world will never end. So just do, don't ever watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no one. One no day one. I make a terrible mistake whilst flicking <laughs> through Netflix. <laughs> Let us know that as you yeah. start an episode so we I'll, have time to prepare. I'll call you Whoa. both. I'll call you both. Guys, um, bad news. Recommendations, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, we yeah, will... I, I, thought, I thought it was the last episode of season four. It was actually the last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you might want to, I don't know. <laughs> So, see you guys. Okay, so um, we moved to the last part of the show, recommendations, where I recommend something that we think might be of interest. And I go first. So my recommendation is a net, also a Netflix, well, Netflix making money out of us today. A Netflix show, it's a Polish TV um, series, short, short series, I think it's only eight, eight episodes. It's called 1670, which is something else in Polish. And it's set in 1670, but it's, it's very funny. It's a satire of Polish history. Um, the characters in 1670 can talk directly to the camera. And um, 
I guess perhaps you would have to uh, know something of Polish history, and of course, actually, I do. Um, so not a problem. It's, it's really funny, and I just think it's a work of absolute genius in terms of historical satire. Um, I was going to ask, do you have to know the uh, Polish history? But, you know, um, most I think, people don't. So. You no, know, most people don't, and it helps. But, I mean, like at the very beginning, the, 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 the main character is a nobleman, rather stupid nobleman, says he wants to become... Here, he's going to show us how he becomes the most famous um, Jan Pavel in Polish history. And the joke is, though, that uh, Jan Pavel is the Polish for John Paul. And so Pope John Paul II is mm -hmm. actually obviously going to be the most famous Jan Pavel in history. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's nice. Okay, really, yeah. All right. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really funny. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. All things Polish are beautifully shot because they really know how they're, they're it, great cinema. That, that I, I can't, I can't um, disagree. Yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know. I, just, I, it, it's a work of genius. I think it's just brilliant. So that's my recommendation. Sixteen seventy. Uh, uh, nah, what's yours? Well, I'm, I'm going to suggest something you know less commercial and superficial. You know, like <laughs> camps. <laughs> If if you're a, if you're a, if you're a huge Batman fan, see, see, we're getting deep now. If you're a huge Batman fan, been wondering what's the big deal? You know, there's been so many movies. He has not been out of the public consciousness since Tim Burton and and Michael Keaton did the movie back in the day. Um, and you're wondering, you know, most of the stuff I watch or, or read is crap. There is something which I've only recently discovered, though it's a few years old. It's written by somebody called. Um, Gosh, I've forgotten the name. I think his name is um, uh, Scott Snyder, if I'm not mistaken. But it, the, the, the title is The White Knight. Uh, two books, White Knight and The White Knight, The Curse of the White Knight. And it is amazing. It's gripping. It's fast moving. It takes the entire Batman um, mythology. So like, like, like Cam Singh, you know, you have to know Polish history. If you don't know the history of Batman, then don't bother. You're <laughs> You know, if, <laughs> but uh, but if you do, it it turns everything on their head. It kills characters you don't expect to die, and it's a it's a good fun time. But it's really well written. I mean, forget Frank Miller. It's this, a it's a sequential art book, is it? Uh, it is. Also it is as a comic book. Uh, well, I I prefer the term comic book. I find sequential art to such a base and and demeaning okay. um, description. The comic so, book. <laughs> All right. It's a comic book. Yeah, funny papers. I really prefer funny papers. So um, it's um. You can find it in two graphic novels. You'll probably be able to find it in Okania if you know you're, you're feeling like like blowing a whole lot of money. Uh, it's really good. It's called The White Knight and the White the Curse of the White Knight. Two two graphic novels. Very, very good stuff. You know, okay. I, I've heard of those actually. So I don't know how they entered my consciousness, but I have. Oh, well, probably you know New York Times bestseller list. Those uh, they, they they count graphic novels now. They have since Watchmen, I think. What um, oh, graphic? Yeah, I think I read it in the original Lithuanian. I think that's why. <laughs> So uh, yeah, oh, there was a Polish satire of it, right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that's uh, White Knight. Yes, White Knight. White Knight and Curse of the White Knight. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sim, what's yours? Well, um, unfortunately, it's going to be an, another Netflix movie, which is I would recommend people to watch the movie that I was talking about, Leave the World Behind. Yeah. Okay. You know, as uh, scary as it is, I think it was is really great, and uh, I mean, it was really good for me. It was entertaining. It was eye opening, and I. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I think uh, anyone that wants to uh, experience or get an idea of what the world for them might be like, uh, 
go read the go go watch the movie or read the book because it's actually based on a book uh, written oh, okay. years ago. Uh, the ending okay. is slightly altered in the book according to what I've read, but uh, similarly scary as well. <laughs> hey, but Sim, why do you think the Obamas produced it? Because they're kind of like feel good people. Why why were they? That's that. So that that's part of the discourse with this morning. Mm. Okay. Is that like an it, obvious it, it, message? Okay, that, yeah, that there seems to exactly. be very so, much. You know, I guess that's what makes it even more ominous, right? Because it's made by a former president of America and um, about what could very well happen in America if then it will happen. So, you know, um, depending on who you talk to, who you might consider wearing a tinfoil hat, some would say that like, this is a pretty obvious message to everyone. Or right. some would say that it's just entertainment. They just need to make money. This was good for the production house. Or some would say that they don't want to be conditioning you. Actually, the end of the world it's not going to be like that, but they just want you to think that it's going to be like that when they do something else. So it goes back to that independent news discussion that we had where there's so much information out there. There's so much interpretation of what could be truth and reality that at the end of the day, I think you just need to take everything in different views and make judgment on your own. Oh, right. such, yeah, yeah, dude, watch the movie, read the book. I, yeah, you know, such happy times. In my day, we had movies like The Little Mermaid, you know? <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and nobody wants to watch. It's a flop now. I, I think people just want to watch dark stuff now. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't know if it's people want to watch dark stuff or did the the production companies or the yeah, big yeah. movie companies are doing it because you know it. there's a lot of like snidification of uh, right. Actions, right where everything has to be dark. So yeah, yeah. You know, also, also when when you know when they do remake things like. Little Mermaid and stuff like that. They do it so badly. It yeah. just, you know, people are just not interested anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the field is just wide open for, for a decent rom-com. I mean, like, no one's making yes, them. Yes, we need good rom-coms, which we don't yeah. have. Anymore. We yeah. need Zack Zach Snyder's When Harry Met Sam. <laughs> really, I, I'd love oh, okay, to see that. Okay, I would that. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Save be... Sally. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. I, oh, God. Okay, so anyway... <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this week's show and only remains me to thank. Thank you, Na'am Murad. A pleasure. Thanks, Cam. And thank you, Simway Boon. Thank you very much and Merry Christmas. Oh, uh, happy holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year and etc. cetera. And, uh, and from myself, Cam Rasslan, yes. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. No, I'll see you before the end of the New Year. Before this year. Um, and uh, well, thank you. And uh, oh, well, I must now mention, uh, I want to mention our, also our producer, Hanif Baharudin. And uh, see you all soon on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.